All right. <clears throat> this is going to have a title. I'm back again. <laughs> I don't go away. I never stop. <laughs> I'm done saying that I'm not, that I'm finished with podcasts. It's so stupid. Like, I need to stop saying it because, and I said it again in the last prophetic word that I wouldn't have any more teachings. Well, nope. Here we go again. Good Lord. This one's actually going to have a title. This is going to be about the release of promise. And I'm going to give my little magical moments story <laughs> of my memoirs <laughs> that need to be told. Even though what's funny is when I first started this, um, started these podcasts, remember how I said, I was like, I'm not so, I'm going to tell dream, but I'm not so crazy on dreams. Like some people, blah, 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 blah. And then every podcast I'm talking about my dreams. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, I, I am looking, making myself look like that's all I talk about is all my dreams and all my visions and nights in the little fairy tale land of Sarah. Like, and so I want to talk about that because I'm going to talk about a dream right now. And <clears throat> I'm going to reference that because I actually do get a little irritated by people overly putting so much emphasis on what I call like the mystical side of the presence of God and like the encounter and the experience like that over like the word of God. So it, to me, I'm like, I hate to make such an, like talk about that this much, but here's what I'm going to say about God speaking through dreams and especially why I have so many. I have so many because my life's been a poop storm. And that's how he talks to me because I'm alone. <laughs> I don't have anyone to talk to but my cat. So that's how he he ministers a ton in dreams. And I, I didn't used to have that. Like, I always thought it was annoying that I had a friend that's all she would talk about. Her dream, they meant this, they meant that. And I just thought it was nuts. I was like, how do you just assume every single dream you have has a weird meaning into it? And so my opinion when it comes to dreams from the Holy Spirit that... There's usually something you immediately will be able to see within the dream that has a symbolism that touches your heart. Meaning like you shouldn't just have a weirdo dream and then just try to like figure that it's from God just because you desperately want to hear him talk to you in those types of ways of giftings. Like I had, I started having prophetic dreams. They're very rare. And a lot of them were trying to build up things in me and they would be like I have them years ago of like stuff of starting a ministry and I didn't know I was going to have a ministry um there would be weird ones about like marriage because that's something I didn't want or believe in or like and I didn't believe in like uh that I'd ever have a a um ministry either like I didn't want that and so I didn't think I had too much self-hatred and so when I started releasing bible study that's how I found out it was going to be a ministry was I had a dream about it and, uh, and then I, so it's like stuff like that. And like, I see dreams, like it's, it really is the way God will lead people in faith, usually through major trials. Like, I just don't think if your life is so great and dandy, you're going to get taught. I'm sorry. That's just my opinion. Like that you're going to get talked to a tons and dreams unless God's pulling you through something, speaking something that's to come to produce faith like there's a purpose for it there's a purpose that he does that we shouldn't just take like t chase these things because 
Like, my experience, and here's here before I go into the dream and the mess I want to talk about, I saw the weirdest thing happen to a girl who got overly into dreams. I don't, did I talk about this when I talked about her being super Jezebel? Did I talk about how she had witchcraft dreams that gave her foreknowledge into the guy's ministry? Did I mention that? Okay, so I'm going to tell that story then because this is this is a this is why when it comes to dreams when it comes to like vision and things like that like you just you got to be careful. I watched the, so the chick that I told you was the one of the worst Jezebels that I ever had in my life attached to me through my sister that she left the state to chase for a guy a well-known dude and I can say his name I'm not gonna say anything bad about him actually I'm gonna say good things about him um his name is Brian Guerin from Bridal Glory and I don't know why I just said that maybe so people would put the pieces of this together he's a single good-looking guy um he and he has a ministry and she starts watching him this is so crazy people how people get so weird in the in the prophetic and this was witchcraft of what made her do it and this is mind-blowing mind-blowing because this girl was in all these different ministries operating what appeared to be the prophetic doing deliverance and her healing doing all this stuff and <clears throat> she starts to get introduced somebody sent her a video about him something like that and she was just like, oh, he's like the hottest thing. And then she just said, she started having dreams that God told her that's her husband. Okay. So she started, and I honestly, her witchcraft was so good and seductive that I even believed her. I didn't know what to think. I was just like, okay, I don't understand that. But like, and I didn't understand how she did it because she literally left. So she chased down every event he had, every, um, Every missions trip, she tied, if people understood the spirit of Jezebel that goes after men, if you know what this chick did to this guy, and he has a well-known ministry, so he is able, I'm sure, to protect his, himself with his surroundings and stuff like that, but she still was able to get close to him. She was able to get close to him because if you went on his missions trip, you'd be on a small team, and she, hold on, sorry, um, that always happens. You would be on a small team so she could get close to him. So she started tying so bad that she stalked him. She freaking stalked him. And she she's, was, is a, pr a pretty girl. So I had a lot of respect for this guy that he didn't fall into this. Because I watched it in person. So she even took me to one of his conferences in San Francisco. And... There were tons, I don't know why I'm telling this, is, uh, this must tie into something. There were tons of demonic manifestations in his meeting. And it was like, I was so overwhelmed. I couldn't focus. I was like, I'm going to kill every demon in this room. I don't know what to do. And I saw half of his like following are single women. <laughs> and I'm like, this guy probably has so many Jezebels. And I watched my friend. She cornered him. I watched her freaking do it because he knew her. Like she, she would go. She would travel everywhere, follow his ministry, do everything. And she even, this is so crazy. She had prophetic uh, dreams and details about him, sent it into his ministry. He read it over on um, the TV, read and knew who she was because she's done that. And it was an accurate prophetic dream of his over him. Yeah, and she didn't tell the details of the dream. She was in the dream. That's how she was convinced this was her husband. But the way she did it was so demonic. She tried to tie to people who knew him. So she moved states to the ministry where he's teaching. Like, I'm blowing the lid off her right now. I don't know why I'm supposed to tell this. Because I think people need to hear the power of the, of the spirit of Jezebel to work through a very pretty normal girl appeared to be normal very uh, sane she was not some psychic like she became like my best friend she clearly was not but then I would I was like this is 
way weird. And I think it's crazy how I didn't realize how weird it is. I think sometimes I get so, but because she stalked me too. And then she was stalking this guy. And so I watched her do it at one of his his events and I I mean he he this is why I had respect for the dude after knowing that, that he never ever ever responded to her he never gave in he never and it, it ended up being you know ending and I just know it did because I just know it did but so she went up to him and she would try to use my ministry this is what she would do because I was so overwhelmed by the demons in his, in his thing that I was talking to leadership and they told me to talk to him I was like can I I just want to respect the authority in this room. I have a deliverance ministry. Can I deal with some of the stuff in here? And people don't take me seriously because they think I'm just some small girl who doesn't know what she's going to do. So she'd use that to get to talk to him. So she's talking to him and then she knew that I needed, I wanted to get his permission to deal with the manifestation in his room. And he was totally nice about it. He said, yeah, totally you can. And he goes, and if you need to get any of the guys to help, I was like, um, no, <laughs> I don't need any of your men. I'm good. I just need permission to deal with the demons in your room. That's all I cared to talk to him about. And I was watching all the other females like, oh, they would like, my friend would go in the bathroom, put on eyeliner and back comb her hair in between meetings with him. Yeah, isn't that the most amazing Jezebel to take a dude out in his ministry? She was setting up, literally spider webbing, when he never even tied to her. She tied that much around him. Everything he did, she found relationships of people who knew him. She tied, that's why she tied, tied, tied to Ray, because Ray had something with that. Yeah, it's like she figured, oh my God, this chick like went everywhere with it. So anyways, that's a good ex um that's a really good example of a spirit of Jezebel to the level like that it goes to take this man out. If this man had not been aware of probably her seduction and I just believe he I just believe he saw it all over her and I think he has so many women target him like that that he just did not fall for it. And I applaud you, Brian Barron. I respect you just because you did that. I'm serious. Like, there's not men out there that are like totally would not because she even got a message from a famous guy. She got a message from a famous dude. I'm not going to say his name because he's older and it showed his witchcraft on him. He's well known in ministry and he messaged her to like to hit on her. And when I found out this, this guy did it, I stopped following his ministry. I was like, no freaking way. You did that that way, like hitting on a chick who is this seductive in all her pictures on social media. You just got pulled in by Jezebel. Your Jezebel on you just got exposed, dude. So I stopped following. He was at a deliverance ministry. It just exposed it. I'm like, if you get seduced by stuff like that, like seriously, like it's crazy. So anyways, um, so that's why I have a little bit of an issue with dreams, visions, and the prophetic. <laughs> because it could read that accurately to a, a guy in ministry like that. And all it did was was a Jezebel literally going after him. But at the same time, it was because God wanted me to see it. So anyways, I had a dream. <laughs> uh, two nights ago. And my dreams are very, very symbolic. They, they, and I just know, like, the way God talks, like, they are, and I don't share them. Like, this is, I'm sharing this one because this is a message that God gave me, gave me through the dream. And there was a specific reason. It was very short. It was just one part. And my cell phone rang, and it had the name Hannah on it. Ugh. And I looked at my phone, and I clicked decline. That was all it was. 
And I, I mean, I have, this was such a detailed, that's another thing when it's, when it's God, it's a detailed dream. And it's not a dream to teach you what to get. Like, you're not going to have dreams to try to encourage you getting the lust of your flesh. Okay. Like that is like totally so that, and that's the stuff she was dreaming. Like she was having demons tell her stuff about me in dreams that were true details. She did it to me too. And so anyways, like when it comes to that stuff, you have to understand like, just how God leads. He prods the heart. There's faith involved. There's reason. So I honestly, I knew the meaning of this dream instantly when I woke up. I knew it instantly. It had to do with promises. It represented Hannah and how long she waited for the promises of God and the anguish that comes in someone's heart when they wait for something so long. And God just showing me in like real time, like a promise coming like that. And I probably, the part of me declining the call, I take that as the anguish of Hannah. And that's really hard to explain. That's between me and God of like, you know, not believing something, you know, or like just the fact that it came in it, that was the name that was on it. I knew immediately it represented, it represented, um, the story of Hannah. So I was still like in bed when I woke, I mean, I just knew. So I went to first Samuel and as I'm reading the first Samuel, I start getting like a full blown message and I'm like, crap, that's what this is. This is like an independent freaking podcast. That's what this is. And then I start getting like, oh my gosh, this is me. He wants me to flip the lid on the teaching of promises. That's what this is. So, and that's what kind of God always has me do. He has me take arrows to certain doctrines, not taking it to the like high level wisdom of what he is in his heart for his children through his word. And so as I was reading it, I was like, whoa, this is like a crazy story of what she sacrificed within her promise. And this is what you don't hear like taught. And if it's taught, I have not personally heard it taught. I would say probably somebody who would teach this really good would be Bill Johnson. I mean, the way he talks about promise and stuff like that, that has like, it's just a different way than just like, you have faith to get this. You Like, I didn't understand girls who say their promise was a husband. I'm like, that was a curse to me. <laughs> like, promise is a husband and kids. I don't get, I did not, I still don't fully understand that people would put just on one thing, one person. That, that like, if you understand, using the word promise for that, like God's promise, there's so much more to that. Like, there should be so much more of covenant relationship and marriage that has a perfection of fulfilling the will of God. Like, it, it no idols. Like, the promise to me of, like, that sort of thing is a perfected thing. It isn't just to get me like a companion. It needs to be fulfilling the word of God in my marriage. That needs to be the fullness of a promise. And anything like that, like that's going to have crazy, crazy sacrifice to see the fulfillment of God's hand on something like that. I'm like, so if we remove the narcissism that we have on like promise and like what you think you get owed by God, like, because it's just your heart intention is off. Like, you just don't understand his goodness, that, that that his goodness is so beyond, like, like the sufferings and stuff like that. And, you know, and it's like me, I keep taking arrows, like, in the dark and trying to hit something. And I'm like, like, the judgment of God. I thought you were going to kill my neighbor, God. You didn't do that yet. Then killing Jezebel. I thought she was going to die. Then she stayed alive. Like, I'm like, can, uh, and now I'm going to talk about like something I never would teach on. I would never teach on it like this. I would teach on like the spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. I wouldn't make an emphasis on, and now I understand why, because there was something about that doctrine and the way promises is taught had a narcissistic side to it that we need to understand like our heart's thing when we look at the promises of God. Now here's another story. I haven't even hopped in my scripture and I'm still going into another story. Okay. A year ago, I prayed. Okay. 
I had friends take over this ministry thing that I was co- coming to on Mondays that I was helping with leadership and stuff like that. A couple of my, my friends, the one who's here, my other girlfriend, they took it over because I was removed from it and God took me away. I helped train them up. They took over leading it and hosting it. And one of the days I am told that four or no, there's going to be some females coming from, um, what was it's a infertility infertility group and they were wanting prayer to get pregnant and so and i also find an infertility group a little odd to me that's like a grief group like at some point you need to remove the the crutches of waiting for something from god and remove things that you need to coddle you and just trust him okay it's like to me going to na and aa in my life, and when I knew people like that who'd been delivered and out of, out of a situ- out of um, drug addiction and things like that, and they were still attending those things, I knew a guy in ministry who was doing. It. I I don't trust that. They there you should be in a place where God is like that person, that deliverer, and there's a reason you're still needing that help of like people like like that. So, so these girls. So when I find out they're coming, I just felt something in the spirit. I was supposed to show up and I was supposed to deal with it. That's I just could feel it. So I, I told to my friends, I, I'm gonna I need to come to this because I'm supposed to have something to do with it. It made sense because of my weight and like my stripping and journey to like break through like so much stuff in my life and like see certain things like release that I am like Sarah in the spirit. I carry where it's the barren woman, like who just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And I if, if people knew how many people I have watched release their promises for them like release their things in their life their breakthrough in their that and then I'm still sitting in my poop show like going what the heck god (laughs) and this is this is what happened with this these four chicks and so it was anointed I was laid out on them cracking up telling them to stop trying to bake their own buns in their oven and then just falling over on everyone and telling them to do weird crap it was really anointed and praying the release over it it was four of them okay and all of them had had miscarriages, trying IVF, like doing doing all these things, waiting for this. Well, in the past year, all four got pregnant, okay? Three of them delivered already by now, okay? This is crazy. The other one lost her baby, okay? I don't know why I'm telling this and I'm shimming for some reason. <laughs> I'm not laughing at that, people, I'm sorry. That's not what I'm laughing at, at all, at all, sorry. That sounded like that's what I was, no, not at all. I'm laughing at what this is going to expose when it comes to the promises and sacrifice um, because this is a really good good story. In that loss, as horrible and as painful that I cannot fathom, I've never lost a child, never had an abortion, never had anything like that, um, that the girl's heart got exposed by how she handled it. She began to blaspheme God, say that God hate like, uh, gave everything that I mean she said crazy crazy stuff about God and I found out about it I don't have a one-on-one relationship with her I found out through through the grapevine what she was saying and I was like that's so bad so the ones that did get the promise have to stay away from that right now because that's blaspheming their promise and there's there's just and, and and what God released for them and it exposed her heart so what do you do in that moment when your heart gets exposed towards God what do you do? And there's a lot of people out there that have those times. Like you're going to, you have where you want, you want, you're hoping you want something from God. And then it doesn't look the way you thought it would look. What do you do in that moment? How do you deal with your mouth? Because if you want to look at the promises of God and the sacrifice and the obedience of people in scripture, and you're not doing it in any way, shape or form, because you, you do the narcissism come against whatever it is, then 
you might have to go through a little bit of more of a burning to get the idol of yourself out of your heart, okay? And and, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And we got to look at these stories. I look at like Hannah. I look at the obedience of the prophets. I look at what they did and how they did it in such an obedience. I'm like, it's because they knew God. They knew God. Like if you knew him and you know him, you know that he did not kill your child. He did not take your child from you. So what redemptive thing can you take in the moment of the character of God and believe a fulfillment still will come. What do you do in that moment of letdown, right? And so I know that God was like showing me the anguish Hannah had, like you have carried this, like you have over this past year. So because I still haven't gone into my message of my Lord, maybe watch I don't even do it or something. Because I I had explained, um, I had explained how I was saying I had been extremely, extremely, extremely sick this past year, and it was a promise God told me of a full healing to my body. And I explained it in the healing podcast, and I explained it as God was showing me there was infection and stuff. And here's a point I want to make with this, because this goes into the testimony of this, and I was telling my friends this because of how long this is lasting. I'm at 14 freaking months, and it's like you just can't function. You can't function how sick I am. People are like, well, how do you do this? I'm like, because the anointing takes over me. All my symptoms go away when I speak. I turn into like a little ninja, and then when the, the thing's turned off, Sarah goes and has to lay her little head down again, okay? So that's why. I just come across like I'm very, but that's just the anointing that comes on me. Um, So I was telling them, because I'm like, why is this taking so long to cleanse my body out and to be like this sick? And like when things are shifted, things are flipping, this promise, it makes you feel like you're psycho and God doesn't allow me to go to the doctors. He will not, I mean, and it's crazy protected because my brother's a doctor and he doesn't even push me to go. Like my family has even left it alone. So there's some grace on it and the spirit that people are not like going nuts on me for how long this this has gone on. So I was telling them, that I just realized how bad of drugs like I really did for as long as I did. Like I should look like a gremlin. (laughs) Oh God, my jokes come out of the left field. They hit me funny when I say it. I should, like I should look like Gollum for what I did. Like people get rotted teeth for the level drugs I did and I've never even had a cavity. Like it doesn't even like make sense. Like clearly God blocked like the result of some of it because I saw some of my old crackhead friends and I know one jumped off a bridge and committed suicide. I seen a couple of them in person and they look like eaten up. Their teeth are dark, rotted. They look like they've aged. Like you, do people know like the look of a drug addict? Like people know that, right? You can see someone, their skin looks certain way. Like they look physically like eaten up. All my friends that stayed in the drug addiction, and I was more hardcore than these guys too. And we're mainly talking about guys, one girl. Um, that they all looked like super freaking crazy. Like so, so, so crazy. It's the result of drugs, people. It eats at you. So if you see that on a physical appearance, imagine the insides of a body, like what has been done and to the level that I was doing it for as many years. I mean, we aren't talking, I mean, this is cocaine, this is crack, this is speed, this is like huffing computer. I mean, I did the grossest and the more, and tons and tons of, um, you know, antipsychotics were put in my body, all these medications, like those chemicals, people need to understand this. When you have like, it's not just trauma I was referring to that why my body was so sick. Trauma absolutely made it worse. But I put so much bad stuff into my body. And I think just because I'm like resilient 
And I don't, I didn't realize what it would do and how it really just corroded the insides of my body. And I know that I'm like, for all the chemicals that probably got stored up, and some people you need to understand this, like things you've done and taken, and you just don't know the how this stuff it can get in you. And so, and I think that God wanted me to just make that like also a point of understanding something like this because I think. The hard thing is people comprehending what I'm saying that God would get say, I am going to heal your whole body and do it this way. And how do we see faith through that? If I give a background and understanding of what you can do to yourself, then there might be more suffering in your promise. <laughs> Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Because I mean, I've seen people have stuff that other another female considered a big promise, marriage and children, and they got it young. There was no believing for it and, and have a very good marriage and, and wealth and success and everything so great. And to one other person, they go, that's such a promise. But to that person, it wasn't a promise it, because it wasn't something that had to be stand, stood on. Do you see, see what I'm saying? And I'm like, so how do we see like the real fullness of an actual promise that has sacrifice and standing on it? Because if you get given something that you believe is from God and there's suffering in it when you get it, it's probably because there's idolatry in the heart that still needs to come out with it. If that, get that, I don't know what just happened in my mouth right there. Uh, maybe that was just a good point in Jesus' thought. So, because I think that's what I like see sometimes. I'm like, there's relief, release on certain things, and then why is there still the war within it? And I would say because there needs to be a refining, and you keep your eyes on God through the promise, and you don't turn it into narcissism. And so, what does it look like for people who like? It would be literally you just, I mean, you have just stood and stood and stood and the suffering that is about it. Like, how do you just like, like stand and, and say like, this is it. And, and for me, I think God makes me do it through ministering and speaking a word out. So now finally, I'm going to Hannah 25 minutes in. Please don't be a two hour one. I don't need to talk that long. I'm going to talk about her, her story. Um, but do it kind of quickly because I want to just, I want to make a, um, I really want to show how she handled getting the promise. Hannah was one of two wives to, to a man named El Elkanah. And you guys know, I am going to pronounce all this stuff wrong except for the name Hannah. So, and the other wife, Peninnah. <laughs> Peninnah. <laughs> I did not YouTube these, these names because I did not want to get into that. But, uh, she is barren and can't have any children. The other wife is able to have children. And let me decide what, because I highlighted. So in here, here's the taunting in the spirit that I was referring to about stuff like this. Like I have felt like I'm psychotic. Everything I do, I feel like I'm psychotic. I'm psychotic with all the prophetic words I give to imaginary people. And I'm a weirdo that's been sick for 14 months and hate my life. And <laughs> I'm saying I'm getting healed. <laughs> and, uh, and there's a mockery. There just is. This is how it works. Number seven, this is year after year, Peninnah would taunt. So the other wife would taunt Hannah when they were in the tabernacle each time she would be reduced to tears, to tears and would not even eat. He would taunt her because she has no, she has no children. And her husband, I mean, he loved her and he was very kind about it. In the next, in the next verse, what he says, he's like, aren't I enough? Why do you need um, children? Um, but this other wife, you know, she's taunting. So he, she is, I'm going to, this is her prayer for her son. 
This is in the tabernacle where Eli the priest is there, okay, and sees her. And she's, it's number 10. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. As she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, when I will, then I will give him back to you. Okay. First of all, how many people would be willing to go through labor, all that pain to get something and then give it up? God, God, the heart, the heart issue, the heart issue to go that deep and look at this stuff. Look at it for what, for what it is. Um, he will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips move and hearing no sound, thought she has been drunk. So he accuses her. That's how she she appeared in such anguish, such sorrow, that what she was saying, what, there weren't words coming coming out. But clearly she's saying something because it was able to be written out of what she was what she was praying to God. And when I read the, this, I started crying. <laughs> I did. I was like, I understand, Hannah. I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I so get it. And, uh, uh, but it was just, it was so anointed. That's why like the, the text was so dang anointed. I was like, I knew exactly what God was trying to say to me about the weight for things. Um, and she, she's like, no, no, sir. I have not been drinking. I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked, wicked woman for I am praying out of great anguish and sorrow. That makes me want to cry again. <laughs> I just totally started to Oh my God, I cracked myself up. Okay, seven seventeen. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant your request. You have asked him. Oh, thank you, sir. She exclaimed and she began to eat again and she was no longer sad. Here's what's so crazy about this. She didn't respond because she was pregnant. She responded to the word of God. <sighs> she responded to the word of God. Now, I would have to think she doubted, but the scripture doesn't talk about her doubting. It talks about her getting her appetite back. It talks about her just believing and being joyful. And, I, and I'm and i like, look at things like this. And I'm like, this is like the place where I'm like, God is like needs to shift because the flip of, of real, true, purified promises coming into certain people's lives that's going to move them and position them into fulfilling the will of God. Get that correctly, people. The true like promises of God are to position you and to fulfill the will of God. How do we know this? Good point. Her baby was Samuel. Do you know the stories of what Samuel did in the Bible? He was given after she weaned him from breastfeeding. So he was a few years old. She left him at the tabernacle. Like the mom gave up her son. She only saw him every now and then when they would go and sacrifice at the tabernacle. The woman did not live there daily and still hovering over her son. She let him go. And if you understand what Samuel fulfilled, what Samuel fulfilled is, is amazing. And if you read the text in, 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 in 1 Samuel chapter 2, um, she was given five more children after that. <laughs> That's so good, you guys. That's so good. She was tested in the heart and sacrificed what God gave her. And look what he did then. And look what he gave her. And what was the promise? The promise was positioning a fulfillment to the word of God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so good. That's so good. 
And I just think, I'm like, I just hear promises. It's it's just what you get, what you get, what you get. And what this season's releasing for the people who are going to be positioned into the shift of purifying what God's doing, living in purity, um, it, it, your, your promise needs to position you into it, okay? It needs to position you into it in, in truth and in purity. And if you get tested in it, this is the chance you get to do it is check your heart and how you respond and what you say about God. Because here's the thing. I complain and whine at times and, and lose my poop to, to the friend that'll listen. <laughs> and I don't do it to everybody because I'm not that personality. But there are times where I just want to like, you know, it, but here's what I don't do. I do not blaspheme God. I don't. I do not. I will not talk about him in a bad way. And he knows that no matter what I'm enduring, I'm not mad. I am not like, I don't have anything like that. My heart is always constantly exposed on how exactly in my handling it in obedience is to still speak stuff out of his word to other people and help them in my poop show. And that's, 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 that's an act of not me, a hamster wheel trying to do ministry and stay relevant to people. That's me keeping my heart in front of God in truth that I will prove that I'm going to stand on his word to him and I'll prove it back to him. And that's what Hannah did. She stood on the word she gave God, which was that I will give it back to you. And she did it in obedience and she went and gave him up. Now, Samuel, Samuel then, amazing. I mean, he's living in the tabernacle, the ark of God. He doesn't have his parents though. Think about this, you guys. He didn't, he wasn't raised in, he gets raised by a priest and he starts hearing God's voice so clear. He's, he's living in the place where the spirit of God. And he heard it so clear. So he's hearing, you know, the first, you get, people all know this story here. Samuel, Samuel, he's calling Samuel. And then Eli eventually tells him, go back to bed and ask what the Lord wants. That word Samuel got was about the death of Eli. <laughs> Think about that. This kid gets put in this position by God <laughs> at a young age and gets his first word is going to be killing the priest above him. And he had to go give it to him. And he had to go give it to him. And what? And Samuel's obedience, why do you think he was so obedient? His mother reaped what she sowed. Oh! His mother reaped what she sowed in her obedience. And he transformed things. Because Eli's sons were very, 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 very evil. That is why God kills Eli. That's why Eli has to die. Because Eli was not reprimanding his sons. And they were doing things like taking the burnt offering out of the tabernacle. Taking the fat that was supposed to be burned. So they were they were taking the meat and like trying to cook it and like eat it. And, or, and they were seducing women in front of the tabernacle when they would come in. Isn't that crazy? The, his sons were doing this to the father the priest they would seduce the women I mean this is a crap we have going on today in ministry it's so stupid we have the seduction of, of people and all that stuff but um you have Samuel is the one that has to then take the um he the kid because it, he kills that whole line Samuel becomes the judge at, at that point Eli was considered a priest and a judge this is before there were kings so what had Israel they would appoint judges and they would have, like, you know, they'd be considered a priest, prophetic. They're, they're sitting there in the temple of God, hearing the word of God. And then Israel starts complaining. They want a king to be like other nations. They weren't to be like other nations. Israel was to live differently. Their king was always to be God. And what you had is that all the other nations had kings that were leading them in wars. And Israel wanted that. And that's what we have people doing. You're running to God to be the king to lead you into a war. Oh, that was good too. Oh, man. And, and not just being like, no, God's the king. Because Samuel, Samuel didn't, his king above him was God, not Eli. He gave a word to take out Eli. Yeah. 
And so you literally have this this the same thing. And then here here's what Samuel fulfills. He fulfills appointing the next two kings. And in his ministry, his prophetic ministry, and giving harsh words, he gave harsh, harsh words. God positioned this man to transition the kingdom from first judges to rulers and be one that speaks into it. And he must have carried such an authority and accuracy by the fact that Saul went to someone who would have been a sorcerer or like a, a witch to pull up um, a, a medium. And she, he wanted to talk to Samuel. He didn't go to God. He went to a witch to talk to Samuel. This is the this is the crazy idolatry the prophetic people do. The crazy idolatry the freaking prophetic. I mean to think that they this is this so accurate. I want to just hear it from this person and get my word. Then to get it from God, like getting it. Get, this will change your life, people. The prophetic is to be used. God uses my gift all the time for people, and but it is always needs to line with the word of God and lead them into God. It should never be something where it that's that's above it. And you literally have the purified interactions that that take place are shifting a nation, changing, removing evil. What Samuel was positioned into doing was fulfilling the will of God. Samuel was a promise to Hannah that she gave up. And that's what happened. And then he bestowed on her the favor and the natural more children. Yeah, buddy. That was good. That was quick and I didn't have to go through. Let's see. This told it all. If you read her prayer of praise, this is another thing that really messes with you with the sovereignty of God stuff. Just the way it just speaks on like someone like her. She just, it's just in about God. Like I'm not gonna read read the whole the whole thing. I'm just gonna read five. Those who were well fed are now starving, and those who are starving are now full. Oh, the childless woman now has seven children, and the woman with many children wastes away. Ah. I'm like, that That to me is her speaking out the true word of God of people who, who, look at, who look at the life of what it does for yourself in the things of God without understanding his might, his majesty, not understanding his love for you. Because it's not a, you're like, I'm like telling this submissive thing to an abusive God. No, people can do or be this way with God because you're in love with him. You just know how good he is. Like, that's why I'm able to do it. I'm like, it's because, it's like, it's not because I'm like, oh, like, I'm, I'm, I'm so scared he's going to hurt. No, I'm like, I know he's so freaking good. He saved me out of everything. He saved me out of everything. And and to me, I know his word in this. He's like, Sarah, this is the biggest promise, the most perfected, perfected thing. It's just how, it's looking different for you. It's looking different than you've seen other people because of, of, of the magnitude of it. And this will encourage people. This will give you so much faith to see through it and expose your heart to these things. I'm going to close with Matthew 6. Um, number 19. Do not store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. I'm like, here's the thing I think. I think a lot of people, your your promises are your treasures on earth. And it's easy to be stolen because you're attached to it. Like, that's where, that's where the heart gets removed from what can be stolen and what can affect your heart in it. 
And I know this because I get super weirded out by really, like, nice things. Like, I it makes me nervous. Like, it scares me of loss. And I know that's also fear in me that God wants out of the heart where you can have good things in the natural, but your heart isn't tied to it. To where if it is gone or something happens, you don't, it's, it can no longer have the power of livelihood, if, of the fear of livelihood that Jezebel takes. Like, it just, it can't, and, and I mean, I'm feeling it with like a really stupid thing, because I am really weird about like what I would like invest with my bike. I bought a, a new car in February, and first of all, I don't buy, I'll never buy a brand new car, or any, and I won't, and I don't lease. I'm really weird on like, I don't like to trade in my car. I want to sell it privately. I want to make the best investment with, with the stuff like that, and God made me do something that I would not do. <laughs> and he made me trade in my car, get a new, I mean, it It's was only nine months old, the car I got. It's not like I bought a Porsche. I bought an SUV Toyota, okay? So how weird I acted with this is like, it's not normal. It just shows my issues with like, with like stuff like that, that he was pushing me and testing me to understand his favor and kindness with these things. And that in some ways your heart will just expose on, on what you're willing to even accept from God. Like this is a two-way thing, people. This is this is the idolatry of the things of this world. And then you also have people that are just like so poverty mindset and such a victim or like, um, like, I don't know, always saying I don't have money. Like I just would never like say stuff like that, even if I didn't. Like I just think that like, I don't know. I'm like, God, there's something in the spirit of God that it's like we are not to like live in this like, Oh, we don't have this, this, and this. But I still am weird about because I could, like, lose it. And and for me, a car, I don't ever want to be upside down, which, you know, you owe more on it than um, it's worth and stuff like that. And so for me to do this where I would trade in my car knowing I could get a few thousand dollars more if I sold it privately, this was so hard for me to do. People like God was trying to teach me, like, understanding, like, his favor with these things. And don't let it be something you won't receive from me. So you people that just, you, you don't. And so... I was saying, God, I don't, I don't want to lose money if I if trade in my car. And it was a total setup because my friend's husband was a, working at a dealership. I mean, this was God. The dealership was Christian. I mean, it was a, it was the stupidest favor. They were so nice to me because they looked at me as being like a family member to their employee because we had done ministry together. And so, I mean, I just, it was a stupid, had stupid favor on, on the entire thing. But I still know it's still a dealership. And I did know that they would be taking making, you know, a few thousand, whatever. The way God did it though, and I was like, God, I'm, and I heard I heard it so clear, God say, you aren't losing money, I am, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> that to me, like it's just to the clarity, my money is not my money, it's his money. And if he's saying, I want you to move in on this, and I want you to trade in your vehicle so you don't have to try to sell it yourself and do all your crazy stuff, and and you, and I need you to do it. I need you to get the nicer one that you wanted. And because I there was a couple of different ones, and I got the one that had more bells and whistles. And I just when I looked at the car, it was it was white, and I looked at the black one, and I just I could it was like. God was literally even making me have a color that was lighter. <laughs> like, and there was such a Holy Spirit thing of doing it. So my point with, is saying with stuff like that, when it comes to like the treasures here on earth and understanding the idolatry, but here's what happened then. I am acting like a psycho with this car. I am acting psychotic. I act like I am driving a Porsche. I'm just being really weird. And it's obs- it's obsessive. It gives me anxiety. I feel like I'm always going to get hit when I'm driving it. <laughs> 
And like, I even washed it, got a car wash, and I'm so sick. And to go, need to go get a car wash right now is really weird. And I got out, after the car wash, I got out a clay bar and started clay waxing it. <laughs> Everybody was probably like, what is this doing? <laughs> because I was protecting my, my new possession that I invested so much into and I didn't want. And then I was like, what am I doing? This is like not, this isn't normal. Like this shows the side of me of understanding the treasures on earth, like, is, like, God, if God gives it to you, like, like, there's something about the letting go and the fear, but it also, me seeing that there also was kind of a weird assignment and fear on it, because I had really weird stuff happen to it at one of the car washes. I came out of the car wash. I know this is such a random story, but I got to tell it. It's interesting. Because it talks, it shows the attack, also the assignment and the spirit of things of the natural that can be like a type of a promise. And that's funny. You think of like a new car, but it was more the action for me. Like it was more me being willing to like do something like that than, than anything else. I took it to a car wash. This is so crazy. So when I was running from the territorial, this is a crazy crap that happens to me. I had so much anxiety and it, this is so stupid that, the, that it was trying to attack this new car. I went through the car wash. I have pictures of it, people. It is so psychotic. I came through and I, the owner was the one who handed me my thing, taped the back of it. I went through, I go to this one all the time and I come out, get out of my car and my car was covered and looked like blue paint all over it. And it even had what appeared to be chips in the paint of the, of the front of my, um, what's it called? What's the front thing called? Hood. The front hood. I have pictures, you guys. It was psychotic. I got out of my car and I went into full-blown panic because I, I couldn't wipe it off. None of it would wipe off. And it looked like the paint. It looked like my car had got in ruins. And I was like, this is why I can't be in public. A freaking demon just did this. Look at all the other cars look normal. Mine just got trashed by going through a car wash and I had photos of it. So I freak out and I go after the manager. And I and I was like, sir, sir, you need to come. Look what just happened to my car and it's not coming off. It looks like my car is covered in paint. And he starts like, so he starts back because he could have seen this turning into a lawsuit. So he starts lying and acting as if my car looked that way when I was driving in. And I said, I said, sir, you're lying to me because you handed me the thing and you know my car did not look like this. This is a brand new car and this is not coming off. So what happened in this car? So it got a little bit, but he was like panicked. So I'm panicked. I'm like sitting there. I was like, do I just drive this to the dealership? I'm going to need a new paint. Nothing was coming off. It looked like blue splattered paint covering, covering the entire freaking car, you people. It made no sense. And I have photos to prove it. And the front of the hood looked chipped. And it looked chipped. I know what the hood looks when I have my, what is when when bird poop gets on things and eats through the paint, it looked like that on the top. Okay, you just have to hear this. Okay, literally 20 minutes, I'm in panic. This guy's running around trying and he's going inside, going out. He didn't know what to do. He was scared I was going to do something. And then all of a sudden, everything starts wiping off with the cloth he brings. And it just starts in what look chip came off normal. And I'm like, this is so crazy. This is what the devil will do to things that you, like if you get too attached, like if you get too attached, if there's a heart access point of what God was trying to do to expose that side and that the enemy tried to make it appear and attack that thing for me and make me be like a, just a little psycho. And to be honest, I'm like, this is just weeding out that side. I'm like, so when we look at like the treasures of this world versus the promises, the heart, the, the things within the heart that make you think that you're like an orphan kid and you can't receive things from God. And when you do, you're so in fear of losing it because that's the crap that I had a problem with within my heart that stuff has to come out of people to even receive the fullness of promise you get that one thing within 
a big fulfilled promise being released on someone's life, you will get squeezed into transition. Squeezed. Freaking squeezed. I've never been so squeezed. I've been squeezed for four years into transition. Four years because God needed to squeeze my little, like I am a little bit of a pit bull and I'm very strong in my thoughts and the way that I do or think and I can be a little bit, um, dig my feet in. And uh, if I feel like I'm losing control, I've always had to protect myself. Like there's just things about me that can go into like a quick panic and God knew it had to take four years to squeeze to squeeze me into a place to be like I hate my life God I'm good transition me because like, before I, I wanted to stay in the comfort of like Sarah's protection and I'm being squeezed and you have to see God's love and grace on squeezing you on squeezing you to do something squeezing you and squeezing your, what comes out of your heart in the squeezing and I'm like, this squeezing's like stupid. I'm like, to squeeze me to a place of hating, hating where I live. And I don't live in Compton, okay? Like, I live in Long Beach. I'm not, like, in the, in the, I live in a really cute historical neighborhood. My apartment's super cute. It was like, I mean, I loved it. It was like such a blessing. And now it's a curse to me. I hate it. I hate Long Beach. Freaking hate Long Beach. I used to love Long Beach. I like God squeezing me out of the dang city. He's squeezing me out of a city. And I know it. I'm like, you people, you understand transition. It can be very, very painful to get you to do and move because your movement in the purified transition of promise is going to be a fulfillment of the word of God. So understand why the heart has to get squeezed into the perfection of it. And so, I mean, and he helps me to look at things better by by this of like this is a squeezing because when i flip it it's going to be fast and you need to take off running and not go get weird <laughs> don't become a weirdo that's like basically and i have to be squeezed and so people if you get if you understand that, that that's like if some people be like how would god allow her to be around these men who have like kind of violated her and one that's looked in and she hates it like how would god up because he's squeezing me and when you and when you gotta get to that place of transition, don't dig your feet in, people. Like let the squeezing expose expose these things within, so that you look at promises a little bit different when they come. And you're strong enough, you're strong enough to hold it, and you move in it without narcissism. You move in it with the direction of the Holy Ghost and what He's calling you to do. Now Matthew six twenty. Store your treasures in heaven, where moss and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Whereas your treasure is, there are the desires your heart will also be. That was my point. This is how it goes. That was it. That's it. Because where your intentions are at, like what you see as treasure, what you see as promise is also going to hold the wholeness of what's in your heart. And it's okay if God has to shake it to get it out and to show it and then move you and transition you and how do you stay in faith in that moment number 22 your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body when your eye is healthy your whole body is filled with light i mean think of that think of that think of like the intentions of your mind and your heart and your eyes the the eyes are the gateway to the soul and there's people that you you use your eyes to intimidate to lust, to stare at things, to feed yourself, to do things that make your entire body no longer alight and unhealthy. It rots your soul. There's so much that comes in when it comes when you're looking at some somebody their um, their eye and what they carry within them. So 
Number 23, but when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, does it mean that you can't have money? No, absolutely not. It means you cannot be enslaved and bound by it. And what you do with it needs to be positioning the fulfillment of the word of God on this earth. As Christians, that is our duty when he is given a favor of wealth. Um, and it doesn't keep any person in slavery when they have it. Okay. I cramped my leg again. Okay, I'm going to close. Number 31. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. I'm like, how many times do we focus on what the promises are and what we need of God when the focus is to be seeking the kingdom of God? Seeking the kingdom of God is the fulfillment of all those other things. We don't just quote scripture that God will provide according to all his riches and glory in Christ Jesus over and over and over again to get money to come into us. We seek the kingdom of God first. You seek the kingdom of God. At that point, you don't need to be confessing about it because your, your, your lifestyle is a confession. What you're doing is a confession. And in that moment, you also see your heart and what you're trying to go after when it comes to God. Um, all right. I'm done. I'm surprised I got that out in an hour. Um, I just know that God wanted me to, to teach a, a different way of this transition of the promise hitting me, of hitting people. And I also know it was also because he needed me to like speak, speak it out more again um, to give people patience and in, in some of the things in their life it, as as things cha are shifting and changing um and they haven't seen some of the stuff that i've been saying is about is about to hit but but to see what you desire why you desire it what it is you're waiting for what it is that you want what it what does it do to expose the heart intention in that um and uh i think that that's it so holy spirit god we just everything that you wanted to say that our hearts the people that carry anguish exhaustion to to some of the stuff that's happening the letdowns the losing of family the losing of money um that that god sees the the pain in the heart but to see higher and understand the fullness of when he squeezes into transition when he's gonna move very quickly on something <laughs> Like in a day. Ugh. Like God can create the world in, in seven days if you believe that that was an actual actuality in seven days. Some people debate it, think that it was more than that. It represented something. But I choose to believe he did it in seven days because I know his power and I know what he can do and how quickly he can move. And so there's some things that just will have to have to hit real real fast and that that's a reward to the long suffering to get there um is is happening really really fast because you have other people who have things come in their life released and 
moments and it's laid out differently and there's pain and struggling in it. And then you have where God flips a nation in a day and he does it very, 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 very quickly. And uh, that's what it's like this build up to that. And that's what I just keep like, I just keep pick, picking, picking, picking that up. And so I just think that this is to help encourage people. Holy Spirit is that. So we just release that out. I pray that something finally, finally, finally flips. <laughs> we gonna have another sermon tomorrow? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I can't say anymore that this is over because it's never ending. It's never ending. At least the podcasts aren't. But I'm believing that in the spirit, I am doing what I am teaching, which is doing things with action and believing that His word is true. And then it's all, it's all gonna, it's all gonna slam. So that's that's all I'm, I'm feeling. And uh, I'm done. Goodbye.